All right, hi, hello. Um, my name's Courtney. I know several of you. If you don't know me, I'm someone that Jake has given the opportunity to sometimes share with you, and so I'm here to do that today. First of all, uh, I want to let you know your outline on your worship flyer is incorrect. That was, that was accurate as of yesterday afternoon, not accurate as of this morning. Um, my bad. <laughs> um, but, you know, there might be something there that you like, but otherwise, you know, in your mind, draw a line and you can start a new outline on the other side or take notes on your phone or whatever. Um, be good to follow along, but that's not it. Okay? Um, the truth is actually not right either. The truth for this morning is the faith struggle is real. That's our truth. The faith struggle is real. Um, and I am today introing, introducing um, our new message series uh, called Dealing with Doubt. And this is going to be a five-week-long series, and, and our goal is to see what God's going to do with this topic of doubt. Um, and so as we dive into it today, this series on de dealing with doubt, I'm going to lay a foundation um, exploring why this faith struggle is real. Okay? As Christians, it can be very difficult to feel like I'm being a good follower of Jesus. Are you with me on that? Do you, do you ever feel that way? How often do you feel like maybe you don't measure up as a Christian? Like you feel so far from knowing all the things you should know or doing all the things you should do, um, believing all the things you should believe. Um, ever feel that way? Now, obviously, uh, we need to take a little condemnation and guilt out of there, uh, but it's a real feeling. And, you know, I think we see this illustrated in the, the, the church as a whole, um, coming out in things like hypocrisy of Christians, um, coming out in Christians you know, messing up in really big ways. And I think if we're honest, that stuff, yeah, I mean, we do it, but it becomes a stumbling block for us. And it becomes a stumbling block for non-Christians as well. It create, creates doubt in us. It creates doubt in other people. Because we think, okay, if God is really all he says he is, and if Jesus is really as powerful as I say I believe he is, then why don't I not more naturally follow him? Why does it feel so hard to live this Christian life and follow him? And I think non-believers get tripped up by this too. Okay, if your God's your whole world and he's a God of love, then why do you struggle with judging other people? Or why do you wrestle with um, loving him? I think that's a real question. And actually, I think as Christians, we have that same fear Okay, if I'm a Christian and if God is so real to me, then why do I struggle to find his presence? Why don't I more naturally love him? Why is it such a battle to get into his word? You ever feel like that? So I want to ask you to consider today where you're at on this whole struggle of faith. Maybe, maybe today you're in the, the seats there or listening and you are a non-Christian. Uh, and maybe some of the things I just said stick with you because you're like, yeah, I see that. That does become a stumbling block for me in wanting to believe this stuff. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've claimed faith in Jesus, but you feel completely inadequate in that. Maybe you feel like you should be further along in your journey. You should know more. You should have more answers than you do. 
Maybe you are burying a lot of those feelings. <laughs> Maybe you are suppressing your fears, you're suppressing your doubts, you're turning on the TV and forgetting about it. Um, you're, you're hiding the struggle, hiding from the struggle, burying it. Or maybe you feel buried under it. Maybe you feel like it's suffocating you. <laughs> you. You feel so much fear, so much doubt, so much question, but you feel like something's got to give soon or I won't keep going. Maybe some of you are there. Wherever you're at today in your faith journey, I want us to approach it um, and the rest of this series and the rest of today with, with open hearts, hearts open to hearing from God. Um, this series isn't going to fix everything. It's not going to answer every single one of your questions, and it's not meant to. What this series is designed to do is create a space in your heart and in your mind where God can be heard, where he can stir us in the things he wants to stir us in. The series is about being willing to shine light into darkness, shine light into dark places. It's about being brave enough to face those things that we're afraid of, about being willing to admit what we don't understand or to admit the things that we struggle to believe are true and recognizing that honesty is messy and that Facing your fears, facing your doubts, facing your struggle might be the hardest thing you ever have to do. But I promise you, it's only through the mess that you can find that real growth and real faith becomes possible. So we're going to dive in. We're going to dive into this series, Dealing with Doubt, and we're going to dive into this message today. Um, and I'm going to be setting the stage um, for faith. What does faith look like? And why is faith such a struggle? Okay. Like I said, your outline is incorrect. But if you want to take some notes, the first point is that a follower of Jesus has two natures. A follower of Jesus has two natures. Okay. If you know the gospel, if you're a Christian, then you know, right, that Jesus died for your sins. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever would believe in Jesus wouldn't perish but have eternal life. John 3.16, we've heard that, I'm guessing, and we know the power of that, right? Um, if you're familiar with John 3, um, you know that at the beginning of the chapter, he talks about something called being born again. Does that sound like a buzzword you've heard? Um, and he says... I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. So Jesus is talking about these two things, the flesh and the spirit. And if you've read much of the Bible, you hear the flesh and the spirit talked about a lot. Okay? And that's kind of our, new, our, our two natures that we're setting up today. Because okay? when I believe in Jesus, I get a new nature. I get um, reborn into this spirit world. I get to access to his spirit. And something new comes along. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. So when you become a believer, you get a new nature. 
hopefully that's not a brand new concept to you. Um, and probably this isn't a new concept to you either. Your old nature is still going to battle for your attention. Your flesh, um, the earthly way of living, still battles for your attention. Okay. Paul um, writes about the flesh and the spirit in Galatians 5. Whoa, I missed this. Okay. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another so that you don't do whatever you want. Have you ever felt that? Like, think inside yourself. Have you as a Christian experienced this struggle, the pull between the spirit and the flesh? Like, sometimes you're at war within yourself. <laughs> I know I felt that, so I'm just trying to see, have you felt that? If so, you're in good company, because Paul's writing that. He was a pretty cool guy, pretty good Christian, and, and he's describing how there's a spirit and a flesh, and they pull at us. He also writes about it in Romans 7, starting in verse 21. He says this, So, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. In my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Have you ever felt this struggle? Have you ever felt like that? Like you're so trapped in yourself and you keep messing up and making mistakes that oh, you just are wretched. And, and you ask that question, who will rescue me? Let's keep reading Romans 7. Romans 7, who will rescue me from this body of death? Then verse 25, thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Some versions say who gives me victory in Jesus Christ. And it says, so then I, myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit the law of the Spirit gives life. Oh, excuse me. The law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Okay? The Spirit sets me free from that wretchedness. So that verse kind of tells us two things. One, there's no condemnation for you if you're in Jesus Christ. So if you felt the struggle or you give in to the struggle or you feel like you fail, there's no condemnation for you. If you're a Christian in Jesus, take some of that guilt off, some of that, oh, I should be better. Um, we all feel like wretched people at some point or other, uh, other, okay? There's no condemnation for you in Jesus. But be set free in Jesus. That's the other thing. Don't just claim him for your eternal salvation, but claim him for your daily salvation. And this matters, Okay? The next passage I want to look at is over in Ephesians. And if you're going to follow along the passages, this would be one of the two I'll have you go to. Um, so if you want to go to Ephesians 4, that would be, be good to follow along. If you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, verse, or chapters 1, 2, and 3 are really setting up um, who we are in Christ and who we are together as a body of believers. And then chapter 4 starts talking very practically about how we live into that. Um, 
So in Christ, there's no condemnation. I have victory in him and in his spirit. I am set free. But I also have to walk in it. Uh, so Ephesians 4, verse 22, okay, talks about this, these two natures and how to walk in the spirit. It says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We can put off the old, okay? We have two natures, but we get to choose. And it says, put off the old. It's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You know those desires. You know that they're deceitful. They lie to you. They say, hey, do this. Oh, it's going to be great. Um, They do. (laughs) Thanks. Um, But they they try to to get you to buy into a lie. Um, And after you, if if you follow that desire, you know it, you come up empty. It's not all that it, it was promised to be. It can't satisfy you. That's your old self. It says, put that off. And then it says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. It starts with the mind. Uh, Romans 12, I think, says the same type of thing. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. You have to think differently. You don't just make decisions on your own, but you let Jesus and his spirit filter through in your mind. And to put on the new self. This is an active thing. You put off the old. You put on the new, which was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's living a pure life. That's making the choices that, that honor God, that aren't sinning. Okay? We put off the old. We put on the new right now. And it matters right now um, because God has work that he wants us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, for you are God's workmanship and you're created to do good works that God prepared for you in advance. He has work that he wants us to do. Um, and there's a battle going on right? For the kingdom and God's people. And so Ephesians 4 talks about how to walk in the spirit, okay? Ephesians 5 talks about how to align with each other so that we can become the army of God in this battle. And Ephesians 6, you've probably spent some time hearing about the armor of God that's found in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's verse 10. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Put off the old and its deceitful desires. That's my flesh. That's myself. When I step on the battlefield, there's something else that's going to come at me too, and that's the devil and his schemes. That's the powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's not be fooled by getting caught up in religion or getting caught up in the church. Um, And by church, I mean the the practice of it, the activity, the the to-do list of it. Um, because then um, we might just go through motions 
and not actually ever enter this, this spiritual battle. You have two natures. If you've never felt the pull, or if you've never felt attacked by Satan, maybe you're not actually on the battlefield. Maybe you've put yourself on the sidelines. If you don't feel a little bit of the battle, if you don't feel a little bit of the struggle, maybe you're not out there, or maybe you've already been cut down because you didn't even know there was a battle going on. Now, make no mistake, God has won. That that will be true. Um, But we get the opportunity to step into these daily battles for the kingdom. You know, Jake is so passionate about the kingdom and and saving people, right? Helping them find Jesus. That's what we're about here at Finding Life Church. And so if we want to, um, if we want to be a part of helping the harvest come in, then we've got to be prepared to step on the battlefield. And if you don't know you're in a battle or you don't feel like you're in a battle or you're not being attacked by Satan, maybe there is something missing. You know, if you think about it, I'm a coach, volleyball coach, and, uh, you know, and so I'm around sports a lot, and I guess, I don't know, maybe basketball is a better analogy. If they have a great shooter or if they have a great player, then you want to guard them extra, right? But if they put their bench out there and somebody's terrible and they can hardly catch a ball and they can't shoot, then you're not going to guard them, right? You're not going to pay attention to them. March Madness, you guys are going to watch all about that basketball game. Yep. Um, <laughs> you're not going to focus on the one that isn't of consequence. If they make two points a game, let them, let them shoot their shot. Um, Satan's not going to focus on you if you're a bench player, if you're a sideline player, if you're going to maybe make two points a game, you're not worried about that. But if you feel the attack of Satan, that's because you're doing something that God is excited about. Um, if you're really stepping into your faith journey, you're going to feel attacked by Satan hard um, because he doesn't want you to do that. My, my iPad timed out. Okay, I got it. Um, all right, so that point number one is that we have two natures. Um, and, and then I, I started to talk about this spiritual battle, and, and that doesn't happen here on the earth. It's a spiritual thing, right? And so I want to go to point two, which is that the follower of Jesus knows two realms. Okay, point number one, the follower of Jesus has two natures, the flesh and the spirit. The follower of Jesus knows two realms. The earthly realm and the spiritual realm. And just like you can choose your old self or your new self, you can choose to live in the earthly realm or to live in the spiritual realm. Um, So I want to flush that out a little bit. Maybe this is a newer concept to you. Maybe it's not. Um, But yeah, the earthly realm, that's the the tangible stuff, the temporary stuff, the day-to-day circumstance stuff. Um, And it is wonderful, and it is hard, though, too. And, and it has a lot of ability to distract us. And the truth is, everywhere you go, everything you do, every moment, every location, has both realms. Like here we are today, right? We are physically here. There are earthly things about being here. Um, some of you are hungry or have to go to the bathroom or whatever. You know, like these are physical things. Um, and, and there is a, is a physical experience going on. I'm jumping around like crazy. That's a physical thing. Um, <laughs> thanks, Tamara. Um, but 
there's also a spiritual realm here if we will enter into it. We will connect with God in our spirit. We will recognize that I'm worshiping the Lord here together. When Tamara's up on this stage singing, she's got that beautiful voice, and I can simply focus on that. Oh, man, look at her, and she's cute, and she's pregnant, and she's got a great voice, and, and you can focus on that, or you can let that connect you to worshiping the Lord with her. See how there are two different choices to make there? There's the, the earthly stuff and the spiritual stuff. And if we go through our motions in any place or any space, just in the earthly realm, we're going to miss the spiritual altogether. We'll miss the eternal. And, and then we'll feel, we'll feel empty. We'll feel dissatisfied. Like God's not really here. Like the Bible doesn't have power. Like my faith isn't really real. If I go to work and I'm only focused on the earthly stuff, then I run around like crazy. Because I've done this, absolutely. I run around like crazy. I keep my head down. I'm trying to check my email. I'm trying to work on projects. I'm trying to get through meetings. I'm trying to do whatever I've got to do. And people get in my way. <laughs> and people make me mad. And, and I don't know, maybe you've had that experience when you're driving. Or maybe you've had that experience when you're at the grocery store. And you're just getting through your stuff. I've, I'm busy. I'm late. I've got this going on. I'm focused on myself right now, and you're in my way. Um, and I'm not paying attention to the opportunities that might be in front of me to love other people. I'm missing the opportunity to pray for so-and-so or to worship God as I check my email, to worship God as I go through whatever my, my task is um, because I can. I can glorify God in whatever I'm doing. I can serve I, I can, do you know this? I can serve other people in the earthly realm only too. It looks like good Christian service, but I can show up and I can do it and I cannot connect with God and I can actually be selfish. Because if I do it in and of myself, it is selfish. So if, I, if I'm serving my family or my team or whatever, I'm giving of myself, looks good, um, but I do it because I want to. I, I want to. I care about them. I get something from it. They make me feel better. I want to be approved by them. I want to get um, accolades. I want, I want to experience. I feel good. That stuff's all about me. And maybe I'm helping someone else or whatever. Um, it doesn't mean God can't use that stuff. But I'm missing out because it's all about me. Um, it's just my ideas. It's just my own heart coming out. And if we're living there, um, we feel dissatisfied, empty, like God's not really here. So I want to ask you, how many of you might feel like you live a lot of your life in that earthly experience? Maybe you think of God in the morning, or maybe you think of him at night, but you know, then you just through your day, and people get in your way, or... Tamara liked that sound. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. Uh, um, people get in your way. Maybe you keep your eyes fixed on yourself and on what you want. What can I get out of today? Or what are the other people in my life and what do they need? That's still earthly. I'm either focused on myself and guess what? Then I'm my God. Or I'm focused on that person and they're my God. <laughs> we do that a lot. Um, that's still worldly without Jesus. Um, that's the earthly realm. That's the earthly focus. Okay? The spiritual realm 
is only entered into through faith. This is my last point, is the spiritual realm is entered in through faith. To enter the spiritual realm, I have to get my eyes off of myself. I have to get my eyes off of anything and anyone else in the world. No matter how good it seems to serve them. And I have to connect with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God that I received when I became a Christian. When I was born again. And I was washed in the water and the Spirit. You know, it's amazing to me in the church, I was realizing this. We talk about the spirit, spiritual things, um, but it's almost like we're afraid of the spirit or something. I don't feel like the, the, the spiritual experience um, is sort of, um, I don't know, maybe it's unknown or something, but I feel like we don't give as much credence to that. We, we want to shut out the spirit of God or, or we grieve him. But the truth is, to live spirit-filled is to live surrendered. We talk about being surrendered, like forcing myself to be surrendered, but it's through the spirit that I, I live that out. It is in my surrender that I can experience being living in the spirit. And to get there, I have to fix my eyes on Jesus in faith. It takes faith in Jesus to help me transcend myself, experience the, the spirit of God, and live in the spiritual realm. Jesus, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. So we fix our eyes on him to experience a life of faith. As we drive it on home, I want to just spend the rest of our time looking at what is faith. We use that word a lot. What does it mean? How many of you could take the mic right now and define it very clearly for us? You don't know. Um, Hebrews 11, this is the second passage I want you to spend some time in, and we're going to go to. So flip it open, click it open, whatever. Hebrews 11, verse 1, if you're at all familiar with Hebrews 11, you've heard it called the faith chapter, um, because all throughout it is talking about this topic of faith. And Hebrews 11, verse 1, says, now faith is being sure of what you hope for, and certain of what you don't see. And we see people use that as a definition for faith a lot. Um, see what's there? Certain of what you don't see. If you don't see it, that means you don't have proof of it. <laughs> that feels very fundamental, and yet we live like we need proof. Um, but when I have faith, it believes with or without proof. Okay? It is easy for me to get promoted or have a great day and say, oh, man, God, you are so good. Thank you. You're good. It's easy for me to believe that when everything's going well. But if everything is not going well, if I have a bad day, maybe I lose my job, maybe the worst things happen, that's not proof, right? So suddenly it feels like God's not good anymore. Um, and, and that's where we miss um, because faith knows that God doesn't change just because my circumstances change. And if, if I have a bad day and, and I feel like God's not good, then I'm living like I need proof of his goodness. I'm living like, without evidence, God, I'm not going to believe anything about you. And that's not faith. That's easy. That's natural. That's where my, I go in my, my sinful self. That's where I go when I focus on the earthly realm. But faith is in the spiritual realm, and faith says, no, no matter what my circumstances are, God is good. 
So in my, in my own personal faith journey, I've learned to create this definition of faith that means something to me, that helps me process it. This is on your outline, oddly enough. Um, it's point number one on your outline, which clearly it's not point number one. Um, faith is the confidence we have in the character of God. Faith is having confidence in who God is. Faith is looking up. Faith isn't looking down at my circumstances to say, oh, this is good and this is bad and this means God is good and this means God is bad. No, faith is saying God is always good because I have confidence in who he is. I've learned who he is. I know who he is and I can trust him with everything, no matter what's happening down on my circumstances. That's faith. Claiming to believe in the midst of, of times when you don't have proof or times when it feels like you have proof of of the opposite. If we keep looking in Hebrews 11, you'll notice there are several verses that just list people and how they displayed faith. Abraham, here's his faith. Right? Each person is describing how he lived out faith. Or she, I think there's a couple she's, Rahab, somebody else. Um, and then after that list of all these people, we get to verse 32. Find that. Verse 32, I'm going to read it. I don't have time to tell you. See, he's told about all these people. I don't even have time to tell you about all these others. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised. Who through faith shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength. Who became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Oh, I love writing and stuff, and that is beautiful, and that is awesome. I'm like, yeah, that's a faith. That is faith. I want that. If I choose faith in God, then I'm going to, what? Shut the mouths of lions? Quench the fear of the flames? That's sweet. I think we believe if I choose faith, then I'm going to get all these awesome things. And, and right there, hey, they did. Right? You have faith in God? You'll receive power and check out all these other things. That's easy. Sign me up. I'll do that. But then I get ticked off when that doesn't always happen. Or whenever my experience isn't that, then I, I'm like, well, God must not be all that I thought he was. Or I must have had that wrong because my experience is different. But you know what? If you're looking along with me in this passage... You know, right after it says, women receive back their dead, raised to life again. Right after that amazing list, we see this second list. Hey, there's no pause. These people had the same faith, but others were tortured, re refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sodden too, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Normally I just read through that and skip over it. Um, I'd like to be in group one, please God. Group one sounds awesome, group two kind of sucks. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay? And we all feel that way. And then when we get thrown into group two for a time or two, then we're mad at God and we're like, I didn't get what I wanted. And we haven't been sodden too in all of those things. But, you know, God, I'm, I'm not married. I'm supposed to be married. Everybody else is married. 
God, I, we don't have kids. I want kids. Everybody else has kids. Why isn't my husband like that? I want this. I want that. This isn't working out at all like I thought it was going to work out. I'm trying to serve you, and I'm not getting any of this stuff. That's not fair. That's not right. I don't want to be in group two. <laughs> True faith doesn't care which group you're in. True faith, I mean, really, if I'm going to claim I'm a bondservant of the Lord, if I'm going to say he's God, I'm not. He's worth following. If I'm going to say that, then nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. That's why Daniel went to the lion's den. Not because he thought God was going to set him free from that. He didn't know. Not because he thought he was going to be saved, but because he knew that dying in that moment to show his commitment to his God was worth it. That's why his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were willing to go into that fiery furnace. They weren't going to bow down to some idol just because that was easy. No. They said, no, our God is worth following. And in fact, they said, God will rescue us from the blazing furnace. But even if he doesn't. See, because it truly didn't matter to them if they were rescued. Because it wasn't about their circumstances. It wasn't down here in the earthly realm. It was up here in the spiritual realm. It wasn't about whether they were going to burn in a fiery furnace. It was about their God. And worshiping him like he deserved. Period. And faith like that... Faith like that requires fixing our eyes up. Not on our circumstances, but up on God. We're walking through Hebrews here. Hebrews 11 goes right into, you guessed it, Hebrews 12. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. We're going to look at this real fast. Uh, I just realized I have no concept of time. Okay. Um, Hebrews 12. We just read about all of these people of faith, if, if we actually read the whole passage. All these people of faith, how the world wasn't worthy of them, how they are still waiting for what was to come. And, and we hear about all these people. And in uh, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let me pause there to make sure that makes sense. Um, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. That is the, the people of faith that just were talked about. Okay? Since they're there. You know, since they went through all of that, since we have these people that live the life of faith, no matter which group they got put in, let us. Since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's look at that for just a second, okay? Let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles, that's my old nature. That's my flesh. Throw it off. Put off the old let us put off the old. Let us throw everything off that hinders sin that so deceitfully entices me and entangles me. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I don't know which race it is. I don't know what you have before you, whether you're going to be, you know, administering justice or 
quenching the fury of the flames or whether you're going to be tortured and jeered and sawed in two, you know, all of that stuff that you don't want. I don't know which race is marked out for you. It doesn't matter. It just says, let us run the persever- with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author of our faith, who, let's not forget, he was in group two. He got sent to the cross for no reason of his own. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy set before him, he had his eyes not on his circumstances, but above. He was looking to his God, right? He's the author of our faith. He's the one that shows us how to live that faith. <laughs> you know, and, and, and he knew that his circumstance of dying on the cross was going to be so utterly worth it because he, his cause was what God was calling him to, to die for the sins of every one of us for eternity. Um, if we're being honest, I think we all have doubts about God. I think we all have fears about faith. Don't forget Jesus in the garden the night before. Remember that? He's on his face before God, praying and sweating drops of blood. And asking God, God, would you take this cup from me? Remember that? He was facing that struggle. He was facing the struggle. God, would you take this cup from me? And he faced it, and he overcame in faith, and he endured the cross. As we leave today, and as we go throughout this series, I want to challenge you to lean into it, to wrestle through it, with it, to get down on your knees like Jesus did in the garden and to have it out with God. Whatever God's calling you to, it's probably got fear attached to it. It's probably got something you're struggling with with it. Get down there. Talk it out with him. And ultimately, let him show you his way. Let us surrender to him in faith, to fix our eyes on the things above. Choosing to believe he's worthy to follow, that he's worthy to submit to no matter what. I want to leave you with an image. Um, I read this book once that described this ancient culture. And I don't remember the culture, so I apologize, but it's something you maybe are familiar with. Um, And any time a commoner or a servant or a slave came in before the king, they had to bow down on their knees and on their hands and put their head down and stick their head out, kind of like this, down before the king. And in that moment, the king could do anything. He could either reach down and bless them, or he could chop off their head. Or he could make them wait. He could have them sit there and wait and wait. Um, not, and and I, I have this idea of this slave or this servant sitting there, hands and knees, head down, not knowing what's going to happen, and yet in that position anyway. That's a picture of surrender. I'm on my hands and knees. My face is down to the ground, and I don't know what God's going to do with my life. That's where I want to be today. That's where I want us to be as we walk through this series. I want us to deal with our doubt, and I want us to walk into faith. I don't know which group you're going to get put in. 
I don't know which group I'm going to be put in, but I want to be in that chapter of faith. I want to be someone that God says the world was not worthy of. He's my God. He's my God. He's my king. He's my master. And I bow down before him and I stick my neck out and I don't care what happens because he loves me and he's going to take me into eternity. Father God, we come before you today with a lot of stuff in our hearts and in our minds. The faith struggle is real. God, would you meet us here? Stir our hearts to find you in surrender and in faith. Help us to transcend our, new, our old nature and put on the new. Help us to step out of the earthly realm and experience your spirit and your spiritual realm and to live in the eternal things. Help us fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before you endured the cross. May we endure. Jesus, we worship you and we thank you. And all this in your holy name. Amen.